This is the Oanda Podcast. Brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast. Each week we take a look at the business and market stories dominating the headlines with Oanda Senior Market Analyst Craig Earlham. And it's a very good afternoon to Craig. How are you doing, sir? Really good, really good. It's busy at the minute. It is incredibly busy. Let's start with the breaking news over the last few hours and the ECB announcement of a fresh uh, stimulus package in what I can only assume is an attempt to prevent uh, a very fragile Eurozone economy from grinding to a halt. What has Mr Draghi, I think it's his last speech, isn't it? Uh, What what has he announced? Yeah, so it's his last speech, I think. It's not his last meeting. He's got one more meeting to go, and then uh, it looks like Christine Lagarde will take over. Um, he, he brought the bazooka, uh, this this fable bazooka that we talked so much uh, about years ago uh, that's become necessary again. So he cut interest rates, which was in line with expectations, 10 basis points, a pretty pointless rate cut, I must say. Point four, minus 0.4 to minus 0.5. What difference is that really going to make? Um, we, we saw more quantitative easing. So this is the QE package that was actually ground to a halt. Well, well not ground to a halt. It came to to an end, you still get the, re, the reinvestments, but we saw a new quantitative easing, 20 billion euros a month. We also saw talk of tiered deposit rates uh, in order to try and insulate the banks, which have been negatively impacted by the negative deposit rates that we've had uh, so far. And we also saw more TLTROs. So these is, uh, this is a package effectively designed to incentivize banks to lend. The more that you lend to the real economy, the better level of interest rates you get on your borrowing from the ECB. The problem that we have is this hasn't worked particularly well in the past. If you look over the last decade, the ECB has hardly ever actually achieved its near 2% inflation target. Growth has been relatively lacklustre throughout that. You can't blame the central bank for this. They've thrown everything at the problem. But what you can blame is the governments who have failed to implement any uh, decent fiscal policies in order to try and support their economies. And it was interesting that today, maybe Draghi's just getting a little bit confident now. He's nearing the end of his term. He's th- maybe thinking, I can say a little bit more now. And he was very direct in his message to these governments saying governments with fiscal headroom need to do more because basically we can't be uh, taking all the slack like we've been expected to over the course of the last decade it was also really interesting just to see how quickly trump tweeted in response to these measures, another another opportunity to to have a go at the U.S. central bank, the Federal Reserve. This comes after he suggested the Fed should be have interest rates at zero or in negative territory, while also claiming that this is the best ever U.S. economy. Um, and Draghi actually got questioned on that particular uh, topic as well on the tweet uh, by in the Q&A session shortly after. Kept it quite simple. Clearly doesn't want a confrontation with Trump. He is a bit of the quieter type Draghi and he just effectively said it's not our policy to um, focus on FX rates, um, which it's true. I mean, can you imagine if this was the other side, uh, if this was the other side, the coin, when you've got un- unemployment in the, Euro- in, in the Euro area, what is it, 7-8% at this point, you've got unemployment. In Greece this morning was confirmed at 16.9%. Italy, France, Spain, uh, what we're in the, the high single digits. Uh, it's no surprise that we are seeing big stimulus measures still from the ECB because this is a, an economy that's never really quite recovered from the global financial crisis. But this slowdown isn't just because of what's happening in Europe or the global financial crisis aftermath. This is very much tied in with Donald Trump and those tariffs that uh, we've had some breaking news about today as well. And as you said, it's been a very busy few hours. 
It has. It's worth noting that the, the breaking news has actually been rejected by uh, a member of the White House. Um, basically, this is news that suggested that the US was ready uh, to come to a kind of mini trade agreement with China that will enable that will enable them to A, uh, hold off on new tariffs, but also potentially reverse some of those tariffs that have already been imposed in exchange for China uh, addressing some of the issues with intellectual property and also increasing its ag- agricultural purchases. Like I say, this was quickly denied after by the White House. And it was interesting that the markets never got carried away with it either. It's almost like we're used to this kind of rhetoric being released in the media. We're used to the speculation that things can happen at future meetings. There is likely to be a meeting between the US and China uh, next month, early next month. And this kind of speculation can in, at times get markets excited but it was funny the markets didn't bite today so maybe it's starting to wear a little bit thin these promises that never fully materialize so markets not much reaction to mr draghi's speech either no they did uh, you wouldn't guess it if you looked at the markets now and you looked at the markets at the open because europe was trading relatively flat before we started this but that wasn't the case throughout it the euro stocks i think were 0.9 percent up uh, at the peak following the announcement of this of this stimulus package of new QE um, and the euro fell around one cent against the US dollar but it was this typical buy the rumour sell the fact mentality this is was pretty much in line with market expectations if anything it was a little shy on the QE front markets were maybe anticipating around 30 billion euros a month of QE we got 20 um, but, so this was a little bit shy but markets still reacted we got that knee jerk reaction the excited reaction that we've been waiting days for uh, and we saw the euro drop and but then it recovered those losses uh, throughout my, my, my Draghi's press conference and in the immediate aftermath and then suddenly we were right back where we started it shows that this was fully priced in we got the knee-jerk reaction and then the profit taking button was triggered there's a kind of perfect storm of financial news as well on all fronts isn't there we've got the announcements from the ecb uh, from donald trump from the white house uh, from the u.s fed we'll talk more about that later and of course we've got the stuff closer to home going on uh, with brexit and bank of england next week one doesn't really know where to look half the time. Very, very difficult for anybody uh, trading out there uh, to know which way we're going to go. Yeah, it's quite an incredible landscape. It really it really reminds me of kind of the 2011-2013 period where it was, you, there wasn't one thing to focus on. Yes, everyone was focused on the debt crisis, but you, which part of the debt crisis were you focused on? Italy, were you focused on Greece? Were you focused on Germany? Were you focused on the UK, the US? What was the key focus? What was the key driver uh, for people? There was headlines right, left and centre. There was never a quiet day, what felt like for uh, years. And it feels like very much that's now. If you're not, fo- if you're not talking about the trade, what you're talking about Brexit, if you're not talking about Brexit, you're talking about a German recession. If you're not talking about a German recession, you're talking about a China slowdown. The list goes on. There's always a headline every day. And that very much is what we're going through right now. And that's obviously then exacerbated when you have a week like this, a week to 10 days, should we say, where we have the ECB meeting today. We've got the Fed meeting next week. We've got trade headlines popping up right, left and centre through it. We've got other central banks as well, as you've already alluded to, meeting as well. We had the, we're not even going to talk about this, but we had the, the Turkish central bank cutting interest rates by uh, today as well and exceeding expectations for a second consecutive meeting but that doesn't even make the headlines because there's so much happening elsewhere that, that, that it's about narrowing the focus in and at the moment markets are very much narrowed in on the ECB and uh, and the and the trade one tomorrow will probably be back to Brexit and you mentioned those tweets uh, from Donald Trump what about the Fed next week is it under even more pressure to cut rates 
Um, it, you, I think Donald Trump would like it to be, but like the interest rate expectations earlier today had actually slipped a little bit over the last few weeks. So uh, a few weeks ago, an, an interest rate cut was 100% priced in, um, and uh, even a 50 basis point cut was actually around 10, 20% priced in. Uh, looking at the odds yesterday, it was around 93 for a rate cut uh, of 25 basis points and around 7% for actually no rate cuts. That's actually quite surprising. It's probably got a lot to do with the fact that we have seen a bit of a rebound in the markets uh, over the last week or so. So we've got US indices closing in on record highs once again so risk appetites re- returned a little bit maybe growth expectations have been tempered a little bit and people are uh, are not necessarily fearing recessions as much as they were that's not to say that they're not expecting them but it's the fear aspect that tends to grip the markets quite often and that's had an impact on interest rate expectations i still think people are fully expecting an interest rate cut from the federal reserve next week but it's very much more uh, more stable and um, it's a, it's a little bit softer than it was maybe a, a two three four weeks ago when we were doing this podcast. We have more data from the Bank of England next week, although you're not expecting uh, too many surprises, really. Uh, You mentioned the landscape, the crazy landscape uh, of Brexit, and uh, could it get any more crazy? I mean, this time last week, we were talking about a mad roller coaster week, and it's getting even more weird. Yeah, I mean, the next week, the data that we're getting is, you could argue it's insignificant from the UK, because ultimately, well, the Bank of England takes into consideration current data when determining their interest rate policy, but that's because you can see a trend forming and you try, you get an idea of where it's heading. You know what the global risks are and you know what the, the domestic risks are. So you can make a judgment based on the current data and the expectations as to what the, what the correct level of interest rate should be at the upcoming meetings. The difficulty that the bank has right now is you could say, yes, do you know what, inflation's at target, so there's no, there's no there's no there's no it's not necessary to move we've got i think retail sales next week and that's expected to be moderate but it's not going to be great um but then you think well the bank of england is not going to be sat there saying well the data's okay now so let's start raising interest rates again because we're actually at target on inflation they're going to say well we could also be a month and a half away from a no deal brexit which would be very bad for the economy and require us to reverse course so you, you can look at this data right now and say it's okay but i mean it's we're not seeing too it's not too devastating but at the same time it's what happens over the next six weeks, which is going to really determine it. And the Bank of England can't really make a decision on what ifs and buts. They have to kind of wait this out and see where we stand going into November before they react. What they're going to be doing now is planning for worst case scenarios so that when things happen, like after the referendum result, they can come straight out and say, we are going to do X, Y and Z to support the economy and make sure that they can be the people who are reassuring the markets, reassuring investors, probably more importantly, reassuring households and businesses that the economy is going to be supported as best as possible through this period but what are markets betting on obviously the uh, election isn't going to happen in the short term but probably in november or december uh we've got talk of uh, of a referendum before an election of course there's this date of october the 31st as well and uh, a no deal brexit seems a very very small percentage now yeah, I mean, markets are still factoring in a rate cut over the next year at some point. Going out to August next year, it's around 50-50. Um, so the, you can see that there's still this really real indecision in the markets as to what's going to happen. That will dramatically change, probably, I imagine, over the next six weeks or so. In terms of purely from a Brexit perspective, the fact that this bill has passed through the House of Commons, um, effectively trying to tie to Boris's hands to no, on no deal, um, that is that supported the pound in recent over the last week or two because it effectively makes life a lot more difficult for him if no deal brexit is what he wants to remain committed to i still believe him when he says he's not going to um he's not going to go to the eu and ask for an extension i think what would come before that would be his resignation because the moment he does that he's seen as breaking a promise early in the uh, early in his regime could and all be of a sudden he loses the confidence could be a nuanced 
deal based on the Theresa May deal, but just a little tweak here and there with Northern Ireland. It's going to be a roller coaster, isn't it? It really is. I mean, we're, we're sitting here constantly, week by week, trying to take everything we've been given and try and make accurate guesses as to what's going to happen. But the, the landscape's changing, the goalposts are moving on almost a daily basis. It, I never thought come May that I'd be sitting here saying I that, that I could actually still be right on the Theresa May deal which I conceded defeat on months ago um, which but they could realistically still go through because if MPs if Boris Johnson finds a way or the Supreme Court or someone uh, rules and says do you know what because for example the Speaker of the House of Commons acted out of turn and actually broke the convention and there was uh, and therefore there should never have been a vote on this so the, the fact that this bill's passed is null and void and therefore no deal Brexit remains back on the table then House of Commons could still turn around and say, do you know what, if we're heading into no deal, maybe more of Labour decide Theresa May's deal is actually better than no deal and we can have another vote on that and that will pass and then there'll be no need to no deal. There'll be no Boris deal either, but Brexit will still uh, be uh, delivered. So there's so many different things that could play out. And this is ignoring the fact that there's a lot of scenarios which you would think that Boris won't do, which is just ignore the bill and never request it. There's suggestions that he could go to Brussels with, the, with this um, request, hand over the request, and then, also, um, and then also vote against it because it needs the unanimity of Brussels in order to pass an extension through. There's even suggestions that he could speak to um, the Hungarian Prime Minister yeah, and effectively call in a favour. And then these are the things that have been speculated on. This isn't even assuming that he may have a card up his sleeve that um, uh, of other ways which can this, this can be approached to get around uh, Parliament. It's going to be a crazy, crazy six weeks. And ultimately, we are heading for an election because whatever happens, he is going to want an election. If he delivers Brexit, he wants to call an election as soon as possible because he wants to capitalise on being the person that delivered Brexit, particularly probably for the economic consequences are felt by the very people who are going to be voting him back into power. Or the person who was prevented from delivering Brexit, which is also a potential vote winner as well, isn't it? Well, that's what a lot of this past few weeks has been about. Is he's been preparing for this election. He said he didn't want to win at the beginning. We know at this point that that was absolute nonsense. What he was effectively doing, he was setting up his campaign of people versus parliament, uh, or, 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 of, the, of the everyday person versus the elite versus the politicians, um, and saying, but these are the people who are trying to stop what you voted for, and I'm the person trying to deliver it. So everything was kind of a little bit of a trap um, to portray parliament being the blockers of Brexit and him being the one who wants to deliver it. This is going to, if we thought Brexit was divisive, I think this is going to be, when it does arrive, this is going to be an extremely divisive, angry campaign uh, from both sides. I think regardless of what happens, we're going to see protests uh, on the streets, very much uh, uh, maybe a, a precursor to uh, the, uh, the, the report that we actually saw finally released um, on the uh, no, the impacts of No Deal. Yellow Hammer. Uh, yeah. Yellow that was released over the last couple of days, uh, which said that protest riots on the streets is, is a possible outcome uh, in, in, the, in the event of a No Deal. Well, uh, let's hope not. Before we let you go, uh, Craig, what else should we look out for next week? Bank of Japan as well? Yeah, so I mean, the Bank of Japan isn't expected to do anything at this meeting, but there has been increasing speculation that they could do, uh, they could cut interest rates at an upcoming meeting. Looking at market expectations in front of me now, it's around 50-50 by January. Now, this is a, this is a central bank which has got interest rates at minus 0.1% at this moment in time. When you look at other central banks, including ECB, now you're like, oh, you've actually got space there to cut interest rates, which you wouldn't have really thought uh, of in past years when negative interest rates were this unconventional policy uh, risk. Uh, now, it seems that people are actually thinking the Bank of Japan will cut interest rates further, maybe even do more QE. But this is a central bank that's been doing QE for years now. So, you, again, You've, you've got these capacity questions about what more they can do. 
like I say, there's only a 13% chance of them cutting rates at this current meeting next week. So, but there could be some surprises and at very least some suggestions that monitor, more monetary stimulus is on the way. So again, next week is very much not going to be a quiet week. Look forward to speaking to you then. Thanks very much. Thank you. From the team behind Jazz FM's Business Breakfast, a daily early morning 30-minute briefing for the day ahead. On air from 6am. Listen to Jazz FM on DAB, online or just ask Alexa.